We are in the gospel according to John, walking through story by story as a church family. We've had two weeks so far that we've already walked through the first part of John chapter one. I would encourage you to go online if you missed them to bigvalleygrace.org. You can watch the messages there for free. Also, all the message series we have, they're all online for free. It's a great resource for your own personal study and, and going in and doing it on your own, so I encourage you to do that. But um, I would also encourage you to take your Bibles and turn to John chapter 1. And in the Gospel according to John chapter 1, we're going to be looking at verses 35 through the end of the chapter today. I'll begin by reading our text, and then we're going to walk through it together. This is John chapter 1. Verse 35, the next day, again, John was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, behold, the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. And Jesus turned and saw them following, and he said to them, what are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, come and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. And one of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. And Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You shall be Cephas, which means Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee, and he found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. When Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, come and see Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? And Jesus answered him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus answered him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? And <laughs> you will see greater things than these. And he said to him, truly, truly, I said to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. When Christ approaches the first disciple in this passage who, who asked Jesus a question, notice how Jesus responds in verse 39. It is so simple, yet it is so inviting. He just says, come and you will see. Now today, as we enjoy this passage of God's word together, let's pay attention to the invitation from Jesus to come and see. It's an invitation that is absolutely still valid for all of us today, and it's still extended to us in so many ways as we read and respond to the word of God. Today we're going to look at this. Christian discipleship is full of invitations to come and see Jesus. Let's begin to walk through this passage together. In verse 35, it says this. The next day, John was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked by, and he said, Behold the Lamb of God. 
John the Baptist looks at Jesus and simply says, behold the Lamb of God. Why is this so significant? Well, in our passage today, the first character that is mentioned is John the Baptist. And John the Baptist, according to Luke's gospel, in chapter 1, verse 36, is actually a relative of Jesus. John the Baptist is somewhere around six months older than his relative, Jesus. Elizabeth, who was John the Baptist's mother, was a relative of Mary, the mother of Jesus. In fact, in Luke's gospel, we read an account of when Mary came to visit her relative Elizabeth while she was six months pregnant with John the Baptist. And so this is Luke chapter one, verses 39 through 44. I'm gonna read it and then we're gonna hop back in to John. In those days, Mary, after she found out she was pregnant, she arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, blessed are you among women. And blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. At the very moment that Mary with Jesus in her womb, greets Elizabeth with John the Baptist in her womb. The baby John the Baptist leaps for joy inside the womb of Elizabeth. Why? Because the calling of God on John the Baptist, even from the womb, was to point to the person of Jesus Christ. Now Luke records that Gabriel, an angel of God, uh, told Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist, this message in Luke chapter one also in verse 13. It says, but the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you shall call his name John. And you will have great joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great before the Lord and he must not drink wine or strong drink and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. From the womb, the Holy Spirit of God fills John the Baptist that even from the womb, he is identifying the person of Jesus Christ as he leaps for joy when Mary enters the room. Even from the womb, the purpose that God had for John the Baptist was to point people to Jesus, who is God. And so in, again, in our text today, in verse 35, John chapter one, it says this. The next day, John was standing with two of his disciples and he looked as Jesus walked by and he said, behold, the Lamb of God. John the Baptist was fulfilling his purpose in life. He sees Jesus, who is God, and he says, behold, the Lamb of God. In the passage just prior to this, when it's recorded this in John 1, 29, the next day that Jesus, he saw Jesus coming toward him, and he said, behold, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, after me comes a man who ranks before me, because he was before me. I did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water, that he might be revealed to Israel. John the Baptist had a very specific ministry. It was to participate in the revealing of Jesus Christ as the Son of God and Savior of the world. John the Baptist was to invite people to come and see Jesus, who is God and Savior. And this is the first invitation that we're gonna look at together today as well. It's invitation number one. Come and see Jesus, who is God and Savior. When we talk about being a disciple of Jesus, 
When we speak of Christian discipleship, it's always an invitation to come and see Jesus, who is God and Savior. All Christian discipleship points to the person of Jesus Christ. And when we use terms like leading people to Jesus, it it means plainly what it sounds like. Leading people to Jesus means we're inviting people to come and see Jesus, Jesus of the Bible, Jesus who is God, Jesus who is the Savior of the world. Now something really important happens in the next verse in John chapter 1, verse 37. It says, the two disciples heard him say this and they followed Jesus. Now picture this, John the Baptist has two disciples with him, two people who are learning from John the Baptist about the Messiah and about God's salvation, and they see Jesus walking by. John the Baptist points to Jesus and says, behold the Lamb of God. In other words, there he is. Do you see him? He is the Lamb of God, the sacrifice for the sins of the entire world. And what do these two disciples do? They obey the teaching of their teacher, John, and right there, on the spot, They stop following John the Baptist, and they start following Jesus. Does God use John the Baptist? Absolutely, God does. Does God use Christians to point people to God? Absolutely, God does. Does God use you, your life, to invite people to come and see Jesus? Absolutely, God does. But make no mistake, it's never about people following you. It's always about people following Jesus. As these two guys stopped following John the Baptist and start following Jesus, John the Baptist would have been full of joy because John the Baptist understood that he was to use his influence to encourage people to follow Jesus, that Jesus would be their teacher, that Jesus would be their master, that Jesus would be the one who influences and leads them. In fact, John says this in John chapter 3, verse 30. He says, he must increase, but I must decrease. Jesus must increase, but John must decrease. I'll make it personal. Jesus must increase, but Joel must decrease. And now for you. Jesus must increase, but you must decrease. The greatest thing I can do for you is to invite you to come and see Jesus, who is God and Savior, and then get out of the way. And the greatest thing that you can do for those that you influence is to invite them to come and see Jesus, who is God and Savior, and then get out of the way. Spiritual leadership should always spiritually influence spiritual dependence on Jesus. I'll say that again. Spiritual leadership should always spiritually influence spiritual dependency on Jesus. It's never about getting people to like, follow, or be in allegiance with you. It's always about inviting people to Jesus. The first invitation to come is to come and see Jesus, who is God and Savior. Now, as we consider the next verse in our passage, we find the next invitation to come and see Jesus. In verse 38, it says this, Jesus turned and saw them following, and he said to them, what are you seeking? Jesus asked these two disciples, what are you seeking? This is a great question. It's a question that addresses the desires of a person because we seek to satisfy our longings. And when Jesus presents this question, he already knows the longings of your heart. Jesus already knows what you are seeking. Jesus already knows how you will answer the question. And Jesus already knows what you actually need to experience genuine satisfaction in your life. Jesus already knows that you need Jesus. You need him. 
Because Jesus is the only one who can satisfy your deepest needs. Jesus is the only one who can care for your soul. And this is the invitation number two. Come and see Jesus who cares for your soul. When Jesus asks you, what are you seeking? He already knows that he is the satisfaction of all of your greatest desires. Your deepest needs, your most intense longings. This is an invitation to come and see Jesus who cares for your soul. Now what's interesting to me is how the disciples, how they answered the question that Jesus presents to them. The passage continues in verse 38 and it says, and they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Now it seems like the disciples kind of undershot their opportunity here, you know, to kind of get in on the ground floor with the Son of God and really find out some information. But you know what's really cool about Jesus? Jesus knows that these two disciples have no idea the resource that's standing right in front of them. They have no idea the power and capacity of the second person of the Holy Trinity. And yet Jesus accepts these disciples just as they are, and he said to them, come and you will see. You see, that's the whole point here. You come to Jesus and you do not already know what you really need. You do not know how to find satisfaction to the greatest longings in your life. You do not already know how to articulate what it is you are seeking. Yet you receive this incredible invitation to come and see Jesus who cares for your soul. Jesus simply says to them, come and you will see. You know, meeting Jesus is an eye-opening experience. It opens your eyes to see how desperately you need Jesus to care for your soul. In fact, Matthew, he records in his gospel, Jesus extending this invitation to his disciples. This is Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Jesus says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus invites you to come directly to him. Are you tired? Are you burdened? Jesus invites you to partner up with him, to learn from him. Jesus wants you to know him as gentle, as humble. Jesus wants you to experience true spiritual rest for your souls. The second invitation is to come and see Jesus who cares for your soul. Our passage in John, it goes on to share this in John 1, verse 39. So they came and they saw where Jesus was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the 10th hour. Can you imagine this moment? I wonder what these two disciples experienced as they spent the first day with Jesus, who is God and Savior. If you had the opportunity to spend a day with Jesus, what would you want to do during that day? How would you want to spend a day with the Son of God? Now our passage for the first time, it introduces to us some of these other characters. And so we read on in verse 40, it says this. One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. And Andrew immediately finds his own brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, we found the Messiah, which means Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Now, we find out that two of these disciples who left following John and start following Jesus, one of them was named Andrew, and who was, he had a brother named Simon Peter. And immediately, first thing he does, he goes and gets Andrew, his brother, or he goes and gets Simon Peter, his brother, because he wants to share the good news with them. He wants to share the gospel with them. And the message he shares is pretty simple. We found the Messiah. We found the Messiah. And Andrew brings Simon Peter 
to Jesus. Now, allow me to provide you with an illustration that depicts in some fashion what occurs when we come and see Jesus and how it impacts those around us. This illustration, it was taught to me by a friend of mine, a good friend of mine, Pastor Chuck Miller. He's now with Jesus, experiencing face-to-face what this illustration, the first half of it, describes. And it uses uh, a, a pitcher and a cup and a saucer and a plate, okay? So I'm gonna explain this to you. The pitcher, it represents God. And the water in the pitcher represents all that God has to richly bless your life as you come into contact and relationship with him. The cup represents you, and and the emptiness of the cup represents all that you're longing for and that you're desiring. It represents that what all the things that you're seeking, to use the term that Jesus used in the question he asked the disciples in our passage today. The saucer, it represents all of your relationships, and the cup sits on top of the saucer to show the close proximity that you have and that those that you're in relationship with. And then the plate, It represents all of your places of action, whether they be in ministry or work or home or school. You can kind of think of this as your to-do list, the things you're gonna go do. That represents the plate. And let's see if we can put all this together here as a family this morning. Okay. When you come and see Jesus, it's as if God, the, the pitcher, begins to pour the goodness of himself into your life, the cup. Where you were once empty and dry, alone, isolated, desperately seeking that which will provide and satisfy your greatest longings, you now find yourself full of the riches of heaven as God has poured blessing into your life, so much so that you begin to overflow. You begin to overflow from the blessing of God in such a way that it impacts your relationships. Remember, that's the saucer. Those in close proximity to you, they begin to be deeply impacted by the fact that you're in relationship with Jesus. The goodness of God, it just continues to pour into your life, overflowing into your relationships, and you find that your to-do list, that's the plate, it's being impacted by the blessing of God also. Your ministry, your work, your home, your school, it's all being impacted by the work of God in your life. You find your entire life is saturated with the blessing of God. When you come and see Jesus, who is God and Savior, who cares for your soul, God pours himself into you in such a manner that it spills over into all of your relationships. And this is invitation number three. Come and see Jesus, who impacts your relationships. Do you want want to see God impact your relationships? Well, then come and see Jesus. Our passage goes on to tell us what happens after Andrew introduces his brother Simon Peter to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. These two phrases that Jesus uses here with Simon Peter. Jesus says, you are and you shall be. Jesus says, you are Simon, the son of John. In other words, you are a guy with a name from a particular family, but you shall be called Cephas. In other words, I have a plan that is going to transform your life, and the name Cephas, or Peter, describes the work of God that I am gonna do in you. Jesus looks into your life, and he says to you as well, you are and you shall be. You are lost. You shall be found. You are dead. You shall be alive. You are sinful. You shall be holy. 
You are fearful. You shall be peaceful. You are an enemy of God. You shall be a friend of God. Jesus loves you just as you are, but Jesus loves you way too much to leave you just as you are. Jesus loves you even though you are born in sin, Jesus says you shall be a child of God. It's an invitation to come and see Jesus who has a plan to completely transform your entire life. This is invitation number four. Come and see Jesus who transforms your life. Come and see Jesus who is God and Savior. Come and see Jesus who cares for your soul. Come and see Jesus who impacts your relationships. Come and see Jesus who transforms your life. Our passage continues on to describe another individual that comes into contact with Jesus. On verse 43, John chapter one, it says, the next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee and he found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now it says that Jesus found Philip. And what's a huge encouragement to me is because Philip didn't even know he was lost. And, and yet here we see Jesus finding him. Even when we are, are, are lost and not looking, God is so gracious to us that he pursues us directly to extend the invitation to us to come and see Jesus. First Andrew, then Simon Peter, now Philip. Our passage, it just continues to describe the lives of people who are rapidly being transformed by coming into contact with Jesus. In verse 44, it says this, now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael. So in the same way that Andrew immediately went searching for Simon Peter so that he might bring Simon Peter to Jesus, we see Philip go searching for Nathanael to share with him the good news of the gospel. And this is what he says in verse 45. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Philip's message to Nathanael is pretty simple. We found the one we've been hoping for all along. We found the one, the savior of the scriptures, and his name is Jesus. He's from Nazareth, he's from the family of Joseph. All genuine invitations to come and see Jesus are gonna be firmly rooted in the truth of scripture, showing Jesus as God and savior, the only hope for a dying world. And this is invitation number five. Come and see Jesus, who is the hope of scripture. Now, not every person who's invited to come and see Jesus as the hope of scripture responds positively. In our passage, we find some pushback. In verse 46, Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? In other words, Nathanael's telling Philip that his story is no good. Nazareth has a poor reputation. It was not a great city, and Nathanael, he cannot imagine that the Messiah of God, the Savior of the world, would come from such a lowly place like Nazareth. Some people will reject the truth of scripture. Some people will reject the way in which God has chosen, the way in which God has chosen to provide salvation. There will be people who will reject it. Some people will reject the person of Jesus Christ because they don't see Jesus Christ as meeting the, their preconceived ideas and their expectations. What do you do when someone pushes back? How should you respond when people reject Jesus? Well, let's look at what Philip does. How Philip responds, in verse 46, Philip said to him, come and see. When the two disciples had questions for Jesus, Jesus simply responded, come and, come and you will see. When Nathanael had questions for Philip, Philip just simply responded, just come and see. I see a pattern forming. 
Whatever questions you have about God, whatever concerns you have about spirituality, whatever the things are that are facing you right now that seem as, um, you know, obstacles that are too large for you, what is our response? What is the invitation? Well, come and see. Come and see Jesus. Come and see what Jesus is going to do about it. The passage goes on to share in verse 47. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him, and he said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. From a distance, Jesus calls out Nathanael, and it works because Jesus got Nathanael's attention. Verse 48, Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. What's happening here? Well, Nathaniel asked Jesus, how do you know me? It's an understandable question because they've never met before. But it's in this moment that makes this verse incredible is that Jesus is displaying his ability to see what's going on in a person's life even when he's not physically present with them. Maybe Nathaniel was just taking a break under a fig tree. Maybe it was just an ordinary moment in Nathaniel's life. I'm thinking it was more significant than that. Maybe Nathaniel was praying. Maybe Nathaniel was seeking God in that moment. Maybe Nathaniel was even praying that God would reveal himself, or even more specifically, that the Messiah of Israel would be revealed. I don't know. I don't know what was going on in Nathaniel's life while he's hanging out under the fig tree, but it doesn't matter if I know, because Jesus knew, and that was the point. Jesus saw him in that moment, and this is invitation number six. Come and see Jesus who sees you. Do you feel invisible? Come and see Jesus who sees you. Do you feel alone? Come and see Jesus who sees you. Do you feel insignificant? Come and see Jesus who sees you. The reason that I think Nathaniel was up to something holy under the fig tree is because of how he responds to Jesus in this moment. The passage goes on to say in verse 49, Nathaniel answered him, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. And Jesus answered him, because I said to you, I saw you under the tree, do you believe? You will see things greater than these. And he said to him, truly, truly, I said to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. When you accept the invitation to come and see Jesus, you find out that he already sees you. And when you accept the invitation to come and see Jesus, you find out that he's going to teach you how to truly see. I want to invite the musicians to join me at this time on stage. We're going to end, we're going to close today's gathering in the same way that we started, singing and worshiping Jesus Christ. Now, you might be here today, here and in the venue, watching online, you might be here today and you recognize the incredible need that you have to come and see Jesus. It may be that you're hearing about Jesus for the very first time. It's maybe that today you're hearing about Jesus for the hundredth time, but there's something you need to do about it in your life today. It may be that you need to be introduced to Jesus, that you would might come and see Jesus as God and Savior. It may be that you need to be reintroduced to Jesus. He hasn't gone anywhere, but maybe you turned away for a season. And it's an opportunity today to come back to him. The key to beginning a relationship with Jesus is understanding that it's by God's grace alone that salvation has been made available to you through the sacrifice of the life of Jesus Christ on the cross for your sin. 
to understand that you access this incredible gift of grace. In other words, you receive this incredible gift of grace made possible by the cross of Jesus Christ, that you access it or you receive it by faith, by faith alone, which is trusting in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone as God and Savior. It's understanding that where you fall short, you're imperfect and you're full of sin, God does not. It's the righteousness and perfection of Jesus Christ being credited to your account where you are justified or seen as righteous because of the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Now, if you know right now, you just know you're, you're in this room or you're in the venue, you know right now that you need to come and see Jesus today. You need to come and see Jesus, that you might enter into a relationship or you might rekindle a broken relationship with him where you've walked away, but you need to come back. I would encourage you to, to come to the altar room. In this room, in the venue, you can go to the altar room in the venue and to, to pray, to pray with one of our spiritual leaders and to talk to them about coming to know Christ or about kind of mending your relationship with Christ, coming back to him. You know, during these next two songs, I wanna encourage you as we're singing, we're gonna end with two songs here and in the venue. I wanna encourage you to get up even during the songs and, and come to the altar room. And some of you might be thinking, right, like, no way, that is scary. And you're afraid right now? Here's what I wanna say to you. You borrow my courage. You borrow my boldness right now. And you get up. I'm gonna stand right there at the bottom, right there by those doors. You come up and talk to me. I wanna talk to you about coming to know Christ. I wanna, I wanna talk to you about you coming back into relationship with him if you've walked away from him. We've got a team of people who are gonna be in the altar room. Let us pray with you. And you might be saying, well, I'm just too afraid. You borrow my courage. You borrow my boldness. You borrow my excitement. Interest-free, no charge. You borrow it, all right? And when you're done with it, you can give it back to me. We wanna pray with you. We wanna invite you to come and see Jesus because when you come see Jesus, you're gonna find out he already sees you. And when you come and see Jesus today, you're gonna to find out that he loves you so much. So during these next two songs, come. Come and see Jesus. Let's talk about Christ together. I wanna to encourage you to stand up in here, stand up in the venue, and the musicians are gonna lead us in a time of, of worship. And let me pray for us. Father God, Lord, we need to today, all of us, we need to come and see Jesus. Each and every day. And I'm so thankful that we have the holy word of God so that we can continue to receive these invitations that you extend to us to come and see Jesus. And God, I pray for those who for the first time today, they're recognizing that they need Jesus and I pray they would take a step of faith, of boldness and courage and they would come, come meet me below the sign of the altar. They'd be in the venue, they'd come meet Pastor Scott below the sign of the altar. And Lord, that we'd have an opportunity to pray together and pray with the spiritual leaders of our church and to, to introduce them to Christ. And God, for those who, man, they, they just, they need to get right. They need to come back. They need to come back home. God, I pray that they would get up and they would come down and they would pray also, Lord. And let's, God, let's see what you do. Let's see what you do as people come and are pointed to you. They come and see Jesus. And God, we pray all of this in the name of Jesus Christ. All God's family said, amen. amen. Jesus is calling this morning. Are you gonna to respond to his invitation?
sing this together as a church with one voice. And praise God from whom all blessings flow. Take a moment to praise God for what he's doing right now in the lives of people. Now, here's the thing, man. You might be out there right now, and you know, man, today's your day. Today's your day to come and see Jesus, but you just, you didn't get up yet, and you might be thinking right now, man, I missed my moment. No, you didn't. We're going to be right here. We're going to wait for you. So come and see Jesus as we close, all right? Come and see Jesus. We want to pray with you. We want to talk with you. Let us encourage you in Christ today. Father God, Lord, it's for your glory and your glory alone that we sing, that we open up the scriptures, that we pray together, that we encourage you together. It's for you. It is for you. It is not about us. It is about you. And so God, for your glory, would all this be given to you as a gift today? We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, who is the Son of God and all God's family said. Amen. Amen. Blessings as you guys go today.